This episode is a grand trifecta of three things that I absolutely love. Science, nature, and art. If you don't already love all three of those, maybe just one or two of them, then hopefully this episode will change your mind and you'll come out the other side of it just as stoked about nature-themed science art as I am. And as my guest is. Hi, I'm Kate Harubi, and this is Go Forth in Science podcast, where we combine adventure and science into a tale that will hopefully make the next time you step outside even better. This episode's interview is with Jill Pelto, an artist that takes scientific data and incorporates it into beautiful watercolor landscapes. In a world where there is so much data being thrown at us, and often in ways that are hard to understand, Jill takes the squiggles of line graphs and gives them feeling. She's got a painting of a glacier, where the edge of the ice is data showing how much glaciers have been disappearing in the past decades. She has a burning forest, where the tree silhouettes are the increasing global temperature. And, as we'll talk about later, she has a painting of the ocean in Maine, where the surface waves are the ocean's temperature. She works with scientists from all over the world to depict their projects, spends her summers collecting information from glaciers in the Washington backcountry, has watercolored in Antarctica, and has one of her paintings on the cover of Time. I could probably keep talking about her work for the next 10 minutes, but instead, I'll just have her talk about it herself. Hello, my name is Jill Pelto. I'm a climate change artist based in Maine, and I also have a background in environmental science. And so I'm using that for my career and in doing science communication work. Jill and I were at the same grad school together. And that's when I first met her and definitely pretty much immediately fangirled over your work. Uh, and then was like, oh, you're also a really cool person and we're friends. And that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you have the idea for data art? So when I was at the University of Maine as an undergrad student, I did a double major in studio art and in earth and climate science. And so during that time, and especially the last couple of years, I was really consistently working towards finding a way to combine them. That had been my goal all along, but I started leaning towards trying to figure out how to make a body of artwork that would communicate important environmental topics. And graphs were, of course, very familiar to me. Uh, looking at them, making them, and thinking they're really a good way to share a story or change over time. So that idea kind of clicked of putting them directly into my artwork after one of my science field seasons working in the North Cascade Range in Washington. And that happened after working there in August 2015, which was the most severe year I had seen yet for drought and forest fire and all of the effects of that to the glaciers and the ecosystem. And it was so emotionally impactful to me as well that I really felt compelled when I came back to school in Maine to communicate what I'd witnessed with my peers there who, who hadn't like experienced those things. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to use the actual graph from the North Cascade Glacier Climate Project that I'm a part of and show how much the glaciers have dramatically declined over time. And once I did that one painting, it was just kind of that cascade effect of continuing to, to do that and getting good feedback from my peers that that idea was one that they could interpret and understand with or without the science background. 
what painting or series has been your favorite so far? I think the first painting that comes to mind that might still be my favorite is a painting I did when I was in my master's program at UMaine, and it was about the Gulf of Maine. So it's called Gulf of Maine Temperature Variability, and it's about how the Gulf of Maine is warming, but rather than just about how quickly it's warming, it's more about how much variability there is to that temperature change and how those sharp ups and downs in temperature are really difficult for species to adapt to. And I'm just really happy with how the elements of that painting came together, the colors, the species that I decided to include, and just the whole story of the painting. I'm really happy with how that communicated. And I think it incorporates emotion, it incorporates a complex story that people can gather from it pretty well. Now, while Jill's favorite painting might have been about a local place near and dear to both of our hearts, she also has been all over the world for her science. What is the coolest place you've ever been for science? Fortunately, that's a tough question. I feel like I've been lucky enough to go to some neat places, both through my time at the University of Maine and because I have a family who's involved in climate science work. One of my top places was one of the field sites I was able to work at while doing my master's of science in the southern Transantarctic mountains in Antarctica. And so there's this one spot It didn't end up being super successful for our science research, but it was successful for like a cool spot to explore. And there was this big rock feature called the tusk and it was made out of marble and it was kind of like a cream color and had these like beautiful stripes and patterns on it. The marble is like really crumbly based on the name. You can kind of picture a tusk. It, It was kind of that shape of like a big curving feature with a point at the top and very dramatic looking right down onto the Ross ice shelf and then behind you bigger glaciers that lead up to the ice sheet. It was just so stunning. And it was one place we were able to kind of just explore. And we just took the time to because it was just such a neat spot. Was probably also the coolest, literally, as well, if you were down in Antarctica. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. Yeah. I was always had like my certain base layers on just at all times working down there. Okay, so now I really want to delve into what it's like to be doing art and painting in the field. So what is the coolest place that you've ever painted could also still be the tusk or is it (laughs) somewhere else? Right. Yeah, I did paint the tusk. Well, it was like a camp scene and then you could see it in the background. So that's definitely a, a top spot. But I think another spot that was really awesome was an area in the North Cascades that we don't go to with the project every year. I've only been twice and it's on one side of Mount Baker. It was kind of like this steep alpine meadow ridge with tons of wildflowers on either side. I remember just sitting at camp and painting, having those wildflowers in the ridge in the background, having our little tent scene. But then you have these really dramatic glaciers in the background that are really fragmented and broken up. Like you wouldn't want to travel across them, but they're so stunning to look at. That's something I love about the Cascades is like you have the beautiful greens and forests and and wildflowers right up to the edge of the glacier. So you have all of that color before all that dramatic ice. Strange logistical question. Does the paint (laughs) ever freeze? That has happened. It will just start to form kind of little crystals all of a sudden and start to get like slush. And and suddenly like you just can't really paint because it'll be all like weird texture slushy situation. And that's for me using watercolor paint. But yeah, I've had that happen a few times. It's definitely bizarre. 
<laughs> it's probably like on one hand it's probably cool and like kind of adds to the painting how it changes the paint dynamics but yeah. also yeah it would be a challenge <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> what is the best part of field art I feel like when I give myself the space to do field art it's one of my favorite things it's just kind of like a moment away from everything a little bit because I am usually really focused on observing the landscape and in doing so I end up noticing a lot of different things and that can even kind of be in tandem with my science knowledge which is really cool and you can focus on different element it can be like a whole landscape or it can be narrowed in on painting a patch of flowers or it could be anything but it's just like taking a moment to be very present in the amazing place that you are and capturing that that moment in time. It's a different kind of moment away. So you've spent lots of time on mountains and glaciers and time in the field. What has been your favorite memory from mountains or glaciers or field time? I feel like there's like the different types, like there's the weird things that you get to see on glaciers, something that I got to see in Washington last year at the base of this glacier was this big like kind of ice cave that had opened up underneath the base so you could look up to like the bottom of the glacier. That kind of stuff is really incredible to see or like huge melt channels. And a lot of times those things are paired with really striking colors and textures. And then there's seeing the, the flora and fauna and those experiences, seeing in the Mount Baker area, a lot of the big mountain goat herds and sometimes we've caught them doing something really neat, like going up a very steep cliff face, or sometimes we've seen them on the glacier and the way they can move across it so quickly is really amazing to watch. They're so fast when they want to be. <laughs> or getting to observe some kind of peak bloom of wildflowers some year, those sorts of things. And then I think getting to observe some of the elements not necessarily like the most pleasant experience, but one time camping below Mount Baker, we had a big thunderstorm. So that kind of traumatic experience isn't always fun at the time, but it was really interesting to witness. Yeah. Did you just hunker down in your tent for the day? Yes, definitely. <laughs> I think we had to carve some kind of channels for water to that be diverted around our tents and things like that, that kind of situation. <laughs> This is a bit of future Kate talking, but after Jill and I recorded this episode, I met her for a night of her field season in the North Cascades last week. We camped on a ridge in the mountains and could see thunderstorms roll down the valley next to us. Luckily, they never crossed over our camp, but as I was trying to fall asleep while the wind was whipping my tent around me, I kept thinking about the story and was grateful that I didn't have to carve rainwater channels around my tent. I just thought of a side question. Do you have a favorite color to paint with? Oh, um, I know that I definitely use a lot of blues. And I think that's because I do so much water and ice type scenes. So I feel like those are the most different colors I have for like my little tubes of watercolor paint too. It's like all these different types of blues that can be just hard to mix on your own to get sky, to get those aqua colors and ice. So I think that's what I'm most drawn to and are my favorite. So what are you painting next or where are you going next? What's your next project? Yeah, I have a few things starting and a few things that I'm starting to build for afterwards. And so in terms of paintings that I'm working on, 
I'm working on three right now, and I really started mainly on one of them, but I'm planning two more. One painting is just a standalone commission, and that one is about quahog clams in the Gulf of Maine and what they can tell us about water chemistry changes. And that's going to be a big painting for me. Um, Not super big, but 16 by 20 inches. And then I'm actually making two paintings that will go together. And that will be for my first exhibition I'm going to be a part of at a museum in Salem, Massachusetts. And so I'm very excited for that. Those are due in December and the show will open next February at the Peabody Essex Museum. Those paintings are going to be about coastal changes in the Gulf of Maine. And I want those to be a mix of things like sea level rise, but also what are some actions that people are taking locally to mitigate the environmental changes that that leads to. I'm thinking for that one, maybe marsh restoration of some kind. I know that's something that people are doing a lot. And I know marsh lands are so important and will be affected by sea level rise, but people are finding ways to at least somewhat help that issue. And then I am planning some workshops and more classroom visits. I do a lot of outreach with K through 12 students mainly. And so starting to increase that and and learn a little bit more about that as I go. And then the last component, I have two grants submitted for collaborations with science teams and waiting to hear about those. And those will be my projects for the next couple of years if either gets accepted. Awesome. Well, if people want to find your work on the internet, where can they find you? Yeah. So my website is jillpelto.com and I just have my gallery with descriptions of all of my paintings and information about the outreach that I do with schools and how to contact me. And my most active place right now in social media is Instagram and that's just instagram.com slash jillpelto. And so those are the two top spots. Sweet. Well, thanks for doing this interview. And it's great to hear about all of the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for this opportunity and your great questions. And seriously, go follow Jill on Instagram. She documents her paintings throughout the process, from the planning stages to the finish. You can see a lot of cool information on her latest project, which was about historic plants, climate change, data collection, Scandinavia, and included painting tons of tiny pollen grains. You can also see some of her photos from her time on glaciers in the Cascade Mountains, which Jill is doing right now. So shout out to her, because while I'm editing this episode in my PJs, she's out in the elements learning about what is happening to Washington State's ice. And now for the episode recap. There are so many ways to talk about science and communicate data, and Jill's climate change art is one of my favorites. She incorporates data from scientific projects and expeditions into her artwork an idea that first came to her in 2015 after she spent a drought-filled summer in the field. She's been involved in science communication projects all over the world, and has also painted all over the world, even in Antarctica, where, yes, her paint did occasionally freeze. She likes to paint because it lets her look at the world in a different way. She also left us with the fun fact that mountain goats can be pretty fast when they want to be. Huge shoutouts in this episode for all the scientists out there that are working to make their data compelling to look at, even for people not in their field. And to the North Cascade Glacier Climate Project, which Jill's dad started in 1983 and has been collecting data on Washington's glaciers every summer since. Good luck out there, friends. <laughs>